This is Two Girls, One Mike, the show that talks about the holes and plot holes of your favorite porn. Welcome to Two Girls, One Mike, the podcast that's not embarrassed about the number of guys we've slept with, but we are kind of concerned about some of the quality. I'm your co-host, Alice Vaughn, and with me is my gorgeous co-host, Kate Kennedy. Kate, how are you doing today? I am hanging in there, Alice. Significantly less snotty than I was last week as I'm getting over a bad sinus infection because I'm really sexy all the time. Yeah, that's... dripping out of my orifices. I still can't believe that you had that sinus infection. So bad. I couldn't talk for like three days, which if any of my fans are listening, you know this. Like the only thing I love more than my dog Squeegee is talking, usually about Squeegee. So basically my worst nightmare all last week. Could not talk at all. Did you at least record anything for OnlyFans while you lost your voice? I did not. And that's one of the really shitty things that I think people don't realize about like independent content creation. As cool as it is to be in charge of your image and what you create and get to make your own schedule. Like if you get sick or you get busy and you didn't predict that you would get sick or busy because you're not fucking omnipotent, then you fall behind. So I am now fairly far behind on things and need to take a bunch of nudes this week. I like how this is, of course, you know, your job as usual. I have to, you know, you have to now also make it seem like the nudes weren't taken in the same exact day either. Oh, yeah. it's You have to like retouch your makeup in different ways, make it look a little different, put your hair up, put your hair down, change the outfit. You know, I'm really trying to get on a thing of daily nudes because I don't look that bad most days if I do say so myself. Sin, you're shaking your head. Yeah, because I'm like, I'll take a photo set of like 20 or 30 pictures, and then I will drop that in throughout the month, like the yeah. same photo set. <laughs> just like, oh, I do that too. And I like regularly resell from my like back stock of, because I have like a file of Google Drive file of every nude I've taken since I was like 22. Wow. So of all the content I've ever taken, I spent like three weeks last year pulling all of it from external hard drives, from random USBs I'd shot with people. I finally got it all together. It's all in one place. So now I can sell because I don't shoot like professionally anymore. I don't even really shoot content with people anymore. So I can have people be like, like if guys are on my OnlyFans, like, I really want to see you do an anal scene. I'm like, would you like it with this person, this person, this person? Because you have it. Yeah. Happy to sell it to you. Well, I did want to ask you about that, too, because it was definitely my goal to like make some content with you. But I'm a little concerned that that might not happen now. I know. I mean, a big part of it is just that the testing protocol and the cost of testing and what I found with like doing OnlyFans, because right now, like my content strategy is very much like I use OnlyFans and content to basically bankroll my comedy career yeah. and allow me to like live in Hollywood while I'm pursuing stand up because that doesn't pay very well. So like for me, it's one of those things. I mean, it's definitely a possibility in the future where I might like go get tested and then go shoot a bunch with a bunch of people. But for people that don't know, every time we get tested to do content, it's about $200 out of pocket for us. So to for me to shoot content with other people because I don't shoot professionally anymore, I really have to justify like, oh, hey, this is going to be worth it. And especially, you know, with content too, I'm sure people flake on content all the fucking time. But I'll just pay for your test then. Oh, I love you. <laughs> By the way, audience, if you recognize that voice, it's Sin Sage. Hello. You are the second guest we ever had on after Ella. And to what? give you an idea. Yeah. I can't believe this. <laughs> two and a half years, girl. Well, you're still looking amazing. Uh, thank you. It's the airbrush <laughs> filter. Um, 
<laughs> and also being super young and not jaded enough prior to starting this yeah. to give you guys an idea <laughs> of how long and I mean, how inexperienced I was when we first started. Sin, you had to explain custom content creation to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, yeah. And you were also, okay, so there was that. And what else were you talking about? I remember discussing tribbing. Honestly, oh. I don't even want to go back and listen to the episode because I knew so little back then that it's really <laughs> embarrassing to me now. <laughs> so audience, if you want to hear an inexperienced Alice, oh wait, I know what else. So you were also explaining how the best sex you had was with your spouse and not on set. And it was really performative. Oh. And I was like, what? I was in shock. I didn't understand. Side <laughs> note, inexperienced Alice. Great first porno debut if you decide to take that route ever, Alice. Totally. Yes. Agree. Yep. <laughs> Basically like a showcase of Alice's first porno. That's the whole thing anyway. Is like we've all got to start somewhere. Whenever you come to this, that's your beginning point, And you just start learning from that point, you know? I just happened to have started at like 18. Oh, you started at 18? I was like 18-ish. And it was just something totally different. It was like, I just going to go get hired and do videos. And they shoot me. And they take care of all this stuff. And like, it was fine. It was good. And I loved it. But I didn't have to think too much about it. Then... I've just watched this industry shift and change over the past, you know, almost 20 years at this point. And so it's like, it's gone through so many different phases. And when Pornhub came along about 10-ish years ago, that was like, oh shit, now you have to adapt in a different way. That's when I started making the custom videos. And now since OnlyFans, I mean, that has been a big change in a totally different way. They have to adapt and I'm grateful for it. For sure. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Two and a half years ago, when we started this, OnlyFans was kind of just on the precipice. We had only been learning about it. Most of the people who were participating were just still sex workers. It really hasn't been until like the last year and a half that it's really come into the mainstream. Oh yeah, it's a household name. I've been on it for four years this year. I joined in I think like October, November, twenty seventeen. Congratulations. That was my biggest kicking myself in the butt thing because I started mine June of 2019. Yeah. And I'm just like, why did I not start this two years ago when I first heard about it? <laughs> I mean, I didn't make shit my first couple years. I also didn't really know how to do it. I was more focused. I kicked myself too because I'm like, I was more, way more focused on like being in porn. Porn and career, like working yeah. like in the valley and like in stuff like that. I mean, I did. I'm glad I did shoot a lot of stuff. And looking back, I felt like, oh, I'm shooting all this stuff and I'm not selling it really well. But I still wanted to do content with people. And now I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did that because I ended up having a ton of unreleased scenes. Yes. That I was just sitting on that. Then when OnlyFans blew up, I was like, oh, shit, I have all of this content. But like, no, I mean, my first three years on it, I would make maybe like two or three hundred dollars a month. Oh, wow. The first time I ever paid my rent for it was November 2019. And it was because I okay. had done your mom's house with Tom Segura. And they mentioned my OnlyFans. And wow. like overnight, my fans like tripled. I was making all this money. It was crazy. But I mean, it's it saved me during the pandemic because it was right before it was, you know, six months before the pandemic hit four months before. And so because I had had all of that, then I was able to ride out all of last year and essentially retire from shooting professionally. Yeah. 
there's so many people who are not in the industry who think, oh, well, I'll just start an OnlyFans and the money will start raking in. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Let me tell you. So I, I'm on a Reddit group for it's kind of like OnlyFans support, like creators sort of supporting each other, advice, stuff like that. And there's this girl who's just, she came on and she was just doing a little rant thing. And she's like, I don't know. I've been trying so hard. I've been posting every day. And I see all these girls on TikTok posting what they're making. And they're making $1,000 a week. And I'm not making that. I'm getting ready to give up. So I write her this long piece of advice that's just, uh, you know, I love using the analogy of a garden. And you got to plant your seeds. And you got to water it and give it sunlight. And you have to tend to it. And you're not going to get... It takes some time to sprout and start growing, but as long as you keep taking care of it, eventually you'll grow trees and they will bear fruit and flowers and it will be great for you. But then I was like, too, you know, well, what are you doing and how long have you had it? And she said she's had it for a week oh. and that she doesn't show her face. And I was like, well, bitch, calm down. Like, you're not going to be making $1,000 in a week. Like, you just jump on as nobody starting from zero and you're going to make $1,000 in their first few days using this platform. Like, it's just, that's so unrealistic. And Girl. for anyone getting yeah. on OnlyFans, like, I don't care if you are a famous porn star or what your deal is, but you have to tend to it. Like, when I started mine, you know, the first few months, I didn't even come close to breaking a thousand dollars. And it's just because it took time and time and time, yep. you know, to grow because I put my effort into it and the marketing and the da 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 da, this and that, you know, and it's just figuring out like what works for you. You know, I run my OnlyFans totally differently than a lot of other people. And that's okay for me. Like I do it in a way that's like comfortable for me. It's not too demanding on me, but it's still really like authentically me. And I think that's why, you know, um, the people who are on there really like it, but everybody does it differently. So you got to figure out what's the way that's going to work for you. I get really bent, especially when I see like new people, like in the last year, I feel like there's been this rise in like the OnlyFans girl. And especially on like Twitter, I'll see people like popping off. They're like, you got to do this. And this is how you do it. And blah, 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 blah. That's just not true. Everyone has their own strategy that's going to work for them. Everyone has yep. their own fan base. And also, like, it is yes. a rigged game. Like, people don't realize this. Almost everyone who's highly ranked on OnlyFans, the vast majority of the top 1%, I would say all the way to, like, the 2%, are mostly people who have some sort of fame outside of OnlyFans. Yep, absolutely. Like, mine is absolutely from comedy. It's from comedy and podcasts, and people know me from that, and that's why they joined my OnlyFans, because it really is the girl-next-door thing. Yeah. Like, either you're a highly-ranked porn star that makes, like, crazy cool content, which is awesome. That'll get you high-ranked. But most of the people that are on there are, like, minor Instagram celebrities, podcast people, like, the hot girl on the podcast, because that's what they want. They want to see you with your clothes on. And then they're like, oh, my God, wait, I can see this chick naked, too. <laughs> so, like, that's really how and like, because I talk to girls about it all the time, too, because I'm always and I know you're kind of this way, too. And we sort of bonded over this on Twitter is that, like, I'm definitely a sex worker who's like always my DMs are open to new sex workers. I'm always more than happy to help people out, give you guide, whatever. Yeah, definitely. Answer questions like I super am passionate about it. I care about it. Like, you know. Yeah. But I talk to those girls all the time, too, where I'm just like, I cannot tell you how to replicate my career because my career is really specific and it's specific to who I am as a person. And that's why I was yeah. successful at it. You got to figure out your thing. 
And it just takes time and patience. That's it. Yep. It's the same with podcast promotion. I can't tell you how many times mm. people are like, well, why is my podcast successful? Well, are you going on other shows? You know, how are you yeah. promoting yourself? Who are you having as guests? Oh, you don't give a shit about your editing? Okay, well, well then, I can't help you there. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times people expect instant success, but are unwilling to put in the work. And it's that expectation. Like, oh, OnlyFans? Everyone's making money on OnlyFans? Well, I'll just open one. And then the money starts pouring in. It's just like so unrealistic. You know what I mean? But the other thing too, and I was going to say this like to you specifically, but really anyone who's just starting with uh, you know OnlyFans and they're shooting all this content for OnlyFans, like my other recommendation to like not put every single one of your eggs in this OnlyFans basket because we all kind of know that this might not last forever. <laughs> Tax issues. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you, Am I you, wrong? No, I'm not. No. <laughs> well, yes, not not on like our part. I mean, my income from OnlyFans gets reported to the federal government, so I got to pay those taxes. But yes, on OnlyFans part. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not on you. Okay, so to fill everybody in, OnlyFans kind of sketched out on taxes. Uh, long story short, they basically saw, oh, there's this loophole in the UK where if you're a corporation for the first year, you don't have to pay your taxes. So guess what they registered as every year? A new corporation, Shit. which means, yeah, they did that. So after like five years, they owed like $40 million. Oh, easily. Yeah. 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 But also that's not really a lot for them, I wouldn't think based on the popularity of this platform. We say that, and then, like, the whole Bella Thorne incident blew up, and they yeah. had trouble issuing back payments. I know. So what are they doing, those idiots? <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's also something that happens. Like, I think I think it was, like, Daisy Ducati was talking about this on Twitter, where she's like, yeah, dude, in, like, 2009, I paid all of my bills on, like, phoneafriend.org or something. And she's like, have you never heard of it? That's because it doesn't exist anymore. It happens. Right. Like, you're going to have to bounce yes. platforms every couple years. It happens. It turns over. The new one comes up. I'm, like, working with a new yep. platform right now. It just does. You have to stay up on it. It's really... And I think this feeds back. This is what I was going to say. I think it feeds more back into this idea of especially sex work. But I think it overlaps into podcasting, too. We're like, this is not a real job. Oh, and comedy, by the way. And comedy. Yeah, this is a yeah. more than yes. full-time job. Oh, for it sure. It doesn't have regular hours, which sucks even more because you can work anytime. So you constantly have like the beast on your back, like work more, work more. <laughs> the amount of time management and then just like diversification of like skill set you have to have to be successful at this. It's an enormous amount of work. and But people yes. are so insistent on thinking it's not a real job. That's so dumb because then you're saying that basically like any job where it's it's like an independent contractor thing or you work in entertainment, which is what we fucking do, that that's not a real job. Like, I'm sorry. Why is what, I don't know, Tom Cruise is doing, does that count as a real job? Yeah. But like the entertainment that I make for some reason doesn't count as a real job. Like, I don't see how that's fair. That's just like a big overarching yeah. you know, thing about being in sex work at all. Look, all I'm saying is to the audience, if you don't think sex work is work, try selling porn when you get it for free. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So so that's the thing, too, is you've got to find, like, how can I make a living off of this? Anyone who thinks porn isn't work has never tried to shave their butthole in a hurry. Yeah. Thank you. You got to wax that shit. Oh, man, I don't even wax. I'm so scared of that. It's so much better than 
Okay, so just we're going to sidebar onto butthole uh, hair removal real quickly. Shaving your butthole is very delicate, and there's a razor down there. And then also, when it starts to grow back, it is so incredibly itchy and burning and painful. Whereas if you just do a couple of quick, like, swip swips with a fucking piece of wax... It is over in two seconds and you are smooth. And as soon as it starts growing back, it's new hair. So it doesn't hurt or burn or anything. You just notice some hair there. I'm telling you, it's it's breathtaking. All right. As a shaver, I'm going to disagree with you because the itchiness does not apply to all of us. Some of us are blessed with our buttholes. Oh, so you mean like um, like your hair is just like fine and, and soft. You're just like a blonde, like wonder. Girl, I've got <laughs> Kellyanne Conway hair both on my head and my ass. Yes. Wow. Well, consider yourself a lucky one. Um, I'm Italian. I will say I do have fairly fine hair. Oh, well, good for you guys. I still recommend waxing. It feels quite nice. <laughs> I don't know why. I just like it. One of these days, I'm going to spring for just the full laser down there and just get all of it off. That and then my calves. Yeah. Because, like, I don't, like, the rest of my hair is baby fine. It's, like, blonde. I have to dye my eyebrows because they literally don't exist if I don't. really nice. Thank you. I do it at home. I have a little (laughs) kit. I did Sean Alf's over the summer, which was hilarious. He, like, came (laughs) over. He's like, will you dye my eyebrows? Because, like, people make fun of me that I don't have (laughs) eyebrows. I was like, yeah, Sean, I'll dye your eyebrows. We like filmed it. I think it was on Twitter. Like, I think there's a video somewhere of me like dying, tinting his brows, which was hilarious. Oh, Sean's so wonderful. Yeah, Sean's wonderful. It's funny. When it comes to the content that you're making for OnlyFans, like you should also be saving all of that content and you should open a many vid store and a clips for sale store and any other clip selling avenue for yourself because... I was lucky, like I had all that going before I even started my OnlyFans. And so now it's like very consistent as long as I just keep putting clips up, like I keep making sales. And so that way, like if let's just say, God forbid, OnlyFans were to vanish one day, like I would not be at the level where I'm in right now financially, but I would still be more than able to pay my bills and take care of myself. And so I tell this to a lot of people that I know who just like started an OnlyFans and that's all they're doing now. And that's their primary source of income. That's how they pay their rent and bills is OnlyFans. I'm like, you need to open a clip store. You need to find other things you can do that will be accessible Mm -hmm. if the worst was to happen. The diversification is really important. Diversification. And just look at Pornhub, you know, like I was, you know, not making a lot of money on Pornhub, but I w- it was like a nice little extra chunk, which at yeah. this point in my career, it's like every little place where I can pull in some income. That's what I'm trying to do. I throw up old stuff on Pornhub for free. And then you get that 5% gross ad rev or whatever. Back. And it's not yeah. a ton of money, but it goes up if you no. go up. Like I was in the top hundred for a yeah. while and I made a bunch of money for nothing. Like it was people weren't even paying for it. It was ad revenue. Oh, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. So I did not yeah. know this. So because I know about the Model Hub program. So, okay. So for our listeners who've never heard or been part of this program. So in order to get paid for your clips that you're uploading onto Pornhub, you have to go through a verification process where you upload your actual ID. Yeah, and, so, gets you that blue yeah. check mark. But I wasn't aware of this ad rev program of if you get into the top 100. No, 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 no. this is anyone can do it if you're verified, but you basically just click a thing that you're like, I am okay with having these videos up for free. 
they porn owns Got whatever it. and give me 5% of the ad revenue and then they just cut you a check every month. Yes. But it's great because you don't have to do anything. So anyone that goes to my Pornhub and watches any of the videos I've uploaded for free, I get 5% of the ad revenue. I'm pretty confident I've made 26 cents off putting the podcast on Pornhub. That's good. Yeah. Hey, if people are watching it, because I know like Ryan Kramer was doing that as well, uh, where it's just because it's just ad revenue. Yeah. I don't do clip stores. I may be perfectly honest. I don't. I've like I have many vids and I haven't checked in forever. And actually, like I've had like chargebacks because I people would buy things that like didn't even exist anymore. <laughs> but like I don't do the clip stores as much because my content is not as much like clip store. Material. Like I don't really do the like your stepsister catches you in the shower like clip like I don't do like the clip that's not my kind of content so like I for me the OnlyFans model works really well because it is that really casual like I don't do a lot of the role play stuff I did it when I was in porn and it was fun because it felt like playing a role but like when it's just me I'm like oh, I'd rather just like show myself like around my house do you know it's less clickbaity but Kate that doesn't matter so both my clip stores are just is it basically the theme of the clip stores is Sin Sage so it's just okay, me. Okay, cool. And I'd say 90% of what I post, uh, what gets posted for sale in my clip stores are custom videos. And the custom videos that I'm making, like, sure, some of them are JOIs, some of them are... Wait, what's JOI? Oh, jerk off instruction. Okay. So for some reason, guys like to pay girls to tell them how to jerk off, like, yeah. and it's always the same shit. Grab your dick. It's hard. Stroke it. Stroke it for me, baby. You still jerking it. Go slow. Okay, now go faster. Like that's mm -hmm. a that's a jerk off instruction. I wish I was there. Just imagine me slowly moving up and down your shaft. Considering that someone asked whether or not they were allowed to uh, masturbate to this podcast, um, we're going to just edit that clip as a jerk off instruction for this episode. There you go. Perfect. So some of the clips I post on there are just that because that those are some of the customs that I've gotten. But girl, I get customs that are like okay, so you're going to put on this really bizarre outfit and you're going to like stand on one leg and hop around with a finger in your nose. Like, I mean, just the weirdest shit that I made that up off the top of my head, but I'm just saying yeah. like, you know, like giant test content, for example, like, so the camera's down on the floor and I'm pretending like I'm a giant. And I shrunk the camera man, you know, the person POV down to like a little bitty man and I'm big and I'm going to pick you up and put you in my mouth and whatever. Like th there's just such this wide variety of, fetishes and things that people want to see. That's what I make custom videos about. And every yeah. single clip I make goes into my clip stores. So the content does not matter. And I think that like, you know, if you are just making a little three minute clip, uh, three minute is like the minimum length the clip has yeah. to be. Every little clip that you've posted on your OnlyFans is more than three minutes, whether it's you walking around, whether it's you cooking or you doing shaking your tits, like whatever it is, you just playing masturbating, like all of that can go into the clip store and you can sell it for three dollars, five dollars, six, ten, whatever you want. Like at that point, you know, I'm only encouraging you in the sense of, you know, live your life, yeah. do what you want to do. But this is a way for you to make extra yeah. money because not everyone is on OnlyFans. Not everyone is on many vids. Not everyone is on Clips for Sale. Like, you yeah. know, people come from all the different areas. And then if they find you in one of those clip stores, then they might join your OnlyFans, vice versa. No, you're right. And it's definitely on my list of things that I need to do. And hopefully maybe coming up here <laughs> next month. Because like, that's the other thing. There's always something else you need to be doing. There's always like another platform. There's always more marketing. Like, and for me too, because yeah. now I do these podcasts and like that takes up, has taken up the vast majority of my year so far. 
has been working mm. on these shows. And so I'm like, okay, like this is going to be my next thing, I think in April. And then as the world opens up, I'm trying to get like a regular normie job right now, mostly for my taxes. I'm just going to give them, I figure I'll just get a regular job and then I'll just give them all the money. Like I'll just give the IRS all of the money. Yeah, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then I won't care. Then and you then get I have some a W2. Back. I know. <laughs> you can have a refund I have an idea we should from our listeners and our fan base crowdsource the worst potential ideas for a jerk off instruction video <laughs> I have a really hard time coming up with like what to say for those and I feel really awkward so I used to do them specifically to a guy I was dating and I wouldn't mention his name but it was like someone I really liked who I missed so I'd be like hey really miss you and I was thinking about your cock and and then I would just go in it and I would like be like I made this for and I would send it to him and I'd be like I made this for you but I'm gonna post it on my OnlyFans but just so you know like I'm talking to you and he'd be like oh my god this is the hottest thing ever oh that's that's really sweet I, mean, I know <laughs> <laughs> it worked out great too because then it was also because I like felt like I was talking to someone I was really comfortable with instead of just talking to like no one out there you know yeah. where it's like I don't know like I was oh, yeah. like oh I, I you know like so that really helped me that's like one of my top tips for like filming content like that for people in case anyone's wondering like pretend that it's like your crush <laughs> your crush though not like ex yeah your crush not your ex <laughs> I have crushes on my exes I, I get along with my exes but like yeah no like I would literally just do it like I would, and that's what I tell people too I'm like if someone's subscribing to your OnlyFans like the reasoning behind that is that they're like they want to be that guy that you're like oh I'm like getting tipsy with my friends and I'm just gonna take a cute nude for this guy I really like and send it and see how it goes and then be like oh my god guys he responded and like that's what works because that's what they want they want to be that guy so if you frame all of it like you're taking pictures for that guy whether or not he exists like every girl knows that guy well most of my fans are are women so oh that's that person, cool i guess <laughs> that per- yeah that person i always do it as like yeah but yeah that person <laughs> it works yeah well i don't know if like the majority of my only fan subscribers are women but i will say that of all my fans in all the years the people who interact with me the most as far as sending me messages and emails and all of this stuff like it would look as though most of my fans are women Mm. I certainly hear from men all the time, but not, it's just like the people who are more like invested in my work definitely appear to be women. And at least they talk to me the most, which I love. (laughs) Yeah. Female fans are great. I love it. Like I'll get messages (laughs) from women that have seen me on podcasts and stuff and be like, I'm obsessed with you and I'm getting your, my boyfriend to watch your stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I'm always like so flattered. I'm like, it's so cool. I love when couples like watch my stuff. Oh, same. Yeah. I personally feel like that's what you should use porn for. Like other than just getting off, which totally fine. But like, if you're going to use porn for anything else, I really, really like the idea of it being used as a communication tool to like facilitate that kind of communication relationships where it's like, Hey, I'm really into this thing. And it's really scary to just be like, Oh, I like this. And so if you can like watch a porno with your partner, that's like something like, Hey, I really want to try this. Like, what do you think? Do you like it too? Maybe we could give it a shot. Like, and have that as a communication. Maybe you watch it together. Yeah. But it's like sexual communication. You start fucking and then you can say like, do you Mm -hmm. like this? Could you be into this? Could we try it some other time? Like, Yeah, let's watch this together. What kind of people do you like? What turns you on? Like, I really think porn should be used that way in relationships. Not as like, oh, I'm jealous of you're watching this other thing. It should be like a fun thing for couples or polycules or whatever the fuck you're in. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. um, like, partners. I'm not monogamous. So, like, I, yeah, partners, that your part- you should be able to use it with your partners. Now, that said, I would suggest if you're wondering who should do it first, it's whomever's the less experienced person should share the porn first of what they like. Yeah. I'm actually going to grab another seltzer, too. I am obsessed with seltzers. I don't care what brand it is, but I drink sparkly flavored waters oh, same all season. day long. <laughs> yes. I was thinking about getting a soda stream and then I saw like this other thing that like can seltzer anything and they were like, yeah, you could seltzer your milk. Why would I want to? I don't know. But if I can have carbonated milk, I don't give a shit, Sid. I will purchase it. You know what? (laughs) I should purchase that and like the soda stream and see which performs better. So I got a soda stream as well because of how often I was drinking these waters. Is it good? And we used it for maybe like a month and a half. And then we just went right back to the cans. There's just so many reasons why the can is superior. The aluminum keeps the drink cold for longer. Just when you get that, you know, that sound like opening it, it just hits that good spot inside your brain. And it's just better. And the flavors are better. So when when you make it, in the soda stream, it's like you have to add the flavor and then it sits in your fridge and you have to like pour it in a cup and it's just not as good. <laughs> Look, we are not encouraging recycling on this podcast. We do want you to pay ethically for your porn. Uh, <laughs> we don't give a shit about how you drink your fizzy water. Although according to my dentist, we should not be encouraging anyone to drink it. It gives you cavities. There's no sugar. I know, but it's the carbonation. It's the uh, acid versus basic. So seltzer water is more acidic than regular water. And so if you drink, and actually, like, I've had this conversation with my dentist a bunch of times because I drink these and I go in there and she's like, you have cavities. And, like, literally the first thing, she's always like, do you drink seltzer water? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, yeah. She's like, if you drink a seltzer, you got to treat it even though there's no sugar. She's like, treat it like a soda and brush your teeth afterwards because the acid in the drink sits on your teeth and it gives you cavities and they're seeing apparently a huge upswing in cavities in adults because seltzer has gotten so popular and people don't realize that it is like soda in terms of your teeth i'd be brushing my teeth all day every day if that were the case so (laughs) and i did just go to the dentist are you good yeah like we got a couple crowns but there are no cavities at all okay so look I take care of my teeth, but a worst case scenario, if I have to get dentures, would it be that bad? It would make sucking dick a lot easier. Just pop those bitches out. Thank go you. For it. No one ever complains <laughs> about the lack of teeth. No one. Find me one guy who'll be like, you know what? Like, He's yeah, like, no. I loved the blowjob, but I really wish she would have scraped my dick more with her teeth. Like, I kind of missed that. <laughs> I did it once. I will never let it down. Like my front um, teeth are angled back and they're incredibly dull. So I literally can't scratch you. Like it, they just feel soft because they're veneers. Okay. So like when I suck dick, it doesn't even feel like, yeah, I know it's great. Like I also have no <laughs> bite strength. So like I can't bite people if I want to. Like, cause they're like, even if you feel them, like I feel them with my tongue and they're like dull. Yeah, I ground mine down uh, when I was doing lots of ecstasy in the my high school end of my high school years, and I was just like, <laughs> so um, they're all just like flat. <laughs> I didn't realize that was a side effect of doing e. 
Oh, yeah, you grind your teeth. You didn't? You didn't realize about the teeth grinding thing? I don't have enough drugs in my life, Sin. I'm sorry. Um, Well, I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, I did it, you know, I was younger, and I feel like Uh, I— Hook a girl up? That's what you say. (laughs) Definitely. I Honestly—okay, so if we're going to talk about uh, MDMA just a little bit and the sort of, like, psychological benefits of certain psychedelic styles of drugs, like, I honestly believe in my heart that— every person should have at least one experience in their life with MDMA because it is so mind opening and it's so therapeutic and it's, it's just a really incredibly beautiful experience. I think it's a problem. What else are you going to do in Joshua tree? Yeah. (laughs) Or acid or mushrooms. If I happen to have some MDMA on me, I cannot confirm or deny do I snort it or eat it? I don't know. No, 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 no. Don't it. snort it. No, no. I like, don't, don't know. I it. ask. No. It's in powder form. No, no, no. no. If it's in pa- totally fine. You know, this is what you do if it's in powder form. Um, if you can't just put it in like a gel capsule, you take toilet paper and you rip the ply so it's just a single ply. And then you kind of like, you can even rip that in half. You take the powder, you put it in the middle. Then you uh, take the paper and you twist it. So you make a little like... Um, like a cherry. Pe- package Mm -hmm. yeah a little fairy bomb and then you you just kind of like rip off the little excess and you put it in your mouth and you take it with a drink of water so you swallow it like a pill and that is called parachuting and that is what you should do with it don't snort it it tastes it is not meant for snorting it's not like special Mm -hmm. k it's not like cocaine like it will burn the fuck out of you it will make your mouth taste horrible and awful it's you do not want to snort MDMA. And I know some a-holes out there will fucking argue with this shit, but like, especially not for one of your first times, like that's just not Thank the best you. way. <laughs> you have saved me. I mean, I yes, can't even say girl. like a trip to the oh hospital because I'm not going to the fucking hospital and admit it. Right? <laughs> if no. you do have like a gel capsule, like you could theoretically take like a, like Adderall XR comes in like a gel capsule, but you can open it. And take the salts out. out. And so you could take the salts out of it and then put the MDMA in the capsule and reseal it and then take it. And just take it like a pill. But you can also Mm -hmm. buy those little gelatin empty capsules at like fucking Whole Foods or Mm -hmm. really anywhere. I've got a big bag of them for – I used to make my own boric acid tablets. Just get the powder and put that in there and shove it up your vag. Boric acid, the unsung hero of the pornography industry. Uh-huh. <laughs> Took me years to find that shit. Stuff is magical. Wait, boric acid? Yeah, it's a suppository. So you can put it in your pussy and it just, if you have like, because when you're fucking a lot of people and this goes, this goes back to the Celtic thing, everyone's body has like a unique like <laughs> pH level depending on like your diet and your genetics and your sweat and everything. So like everyone has a different pH and Fair. there are certain people you can fuck them and they can come inside of you and your pHs are like aligned. So then you're not going to have anything like weird, but the vast mm-hmm. majority of people are probably not going to be your exact pH. So if you're working a lot, you're fucking a lot of people, whether or not it's with condoms, cause condoms have a pH value, anything you're putting it into a mucous membrane, your pH yep. is going to get thrown off and that can lead to like BV, can lead to infections, it can lead to smelling weird yeast down infection. there, just being uncomfortable. Yeah. Least in- yeah. So literally what you do is like after you've done a scene, literally anytime after I've had sex with someone, when I go to bed that night, I just stick, yep. you can get them on Amazon for like $5 for like a big bottle and you just stick one up your pussy and you go to sleep and it just cleans everything out and like resets. It just, yeah, They're like magical. refreshes. It refreshes mm-hmm. your pH. And yep. so, like, for me personally, I've never done uh, boy-girl with, with other 
performers, only with my husband. Even with girls. I used to get it with girls with their makeup a lot. This is what I'm saying is that it started like a few years after doing the work in the industry. So I, I think maybe age might be a little factor too, but honestly, the truth is, is like every single body is different and it goes through different things mm-hmm. at different times of life. So at first, my first few years in the industry, I, I didn't really notice it that much. But then after a certain point, it was just like every single time I did a sex scene then I would get like an infection and I was just all over the internet. How can I like stop this from happening, prevent it, whatever, whatever. I tried every single little fucking thing, which is like tea tree oil in my pussy, coconut oil in my pussy, uh, fucking lavender oil in my pussy, uh, apple cider vinegar douche, um, all of these other things. Okay. But what's the worst thing you've put in your pussy? My ex-boyfriend's dick. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> And then when I found out, somebody finally told me, they're like, dude, you got to try this boric acid. And it was just like saved my life. It changed my life. Any any person who has a vagina out there that struggles with chronic infections, you just have to do this boric acid thing and give it a shot. And you will see that it will change your fucking life. <laughs> and it's also very like, it's not like a hokey, like holistic, like, like no. Like, gynecologists recommend it. It's drug-free. Like, it really... It's yeah. not going to fuck you up. Like, there's really no bad no. side effect for this. I don't know if anyone has nope. ever had... I did that, and then before I would do a scene, I would do a water... Clean water douche with, like, a, a drop or two of tea tree oil. I like that. And then I would do uh, the same thing, but with hydrogen peroxide, like, a couple drops of hydrogen peroxide in yep. clean water afterwards. Or if I was doing anal, if I was doing an anal scene where there was still vaginal penetration, I would do the same thing, but with iodine. Because iodine in a douche will clean out any, because you don't want any fecal matter in there. That'll get you really sick. Totally. So if you put yeah, a little yeah. bit of iodine in the clean water, um, and then I would do boric acid afterwards. And then the one, a couple of times where I really did, like it was just funky. It just wasn't working. I would take an organic cotton tampon. Like it's important because like tampons are gross. So I'd get like the high quality organic ones. And I would let it sit in melted coconut oil with a couple of drops of tea tree oil and let it yep. penetrate the cotton and then put it in you. And I would leave it in for a few hours. And that yep. like was great for my pussy too, because that's antifungal. So it yep. would just clean out and balance. Yeah. You learn a ton about like how to <laughs> the caring keeping of your fucking pussy. Yeah. Now, look, I know there's a number of times like California's like, hey, we should impose some sort of classes to sex workers. But if they were actually like this. I would probably rally behind them. It's like, hey, you know, instead of forcing people to do X, Y, and Z, if if they were educational of it, like, hey, this is how you actually can balance your pH after doing multiple scenes or reduce the amount of yeast infections you do after shooting X amount of content. Yeah. I might be for that type of regulation. I am for it, to be honest. But, you know, I never think it's good when, like, a government agency comes in and says, like, you have to do these things for your personal health kind of thing. But, like, you have to. You can't do your job unless you do these things, you know. But it's just such a weird, sketchy gray area, you know. And when it comes to sex work especially, it's dangerous. You're getting into, like, dangerous territory. (laughs) Also, with the type of work you guys do, you don't have to shoot with a partner. So there shouldn't be any regulation as far as, like, hey, I want to go into sex work. And all of a sudden you have to do classes that don't apply to you at all. Because if you're never going to do boy-girl, then it's like, why do you need information regarding that at all? Right. I think it's more like I wish there were, you know, an APAC tried to do this a little while ago and I signed up for it because 
I love the idea of being a mentor to people that, you know, I've, I've been doing this for so long and everything that I learned, like I had to learn just like stumbling blocks, you know, like I had to learn it just by making mistakes or whatever, or just finding like discovering it on my own, where it's like I can provide that shortcut for people who are just getting into the business, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I signed up for that to be like a mentor with this program with APAC and I got assigned a person and I tried reaching out to this person a few times and she like texted me back a few times and then in, in the long run, she just completely stopped communicating with me. And I was like, I guess you don't need my help then. And then the whole thing kind of just fell apart as far as I can tell. But I do love the idea of, of doing that and just being yeah. able to... Yeah, share the things I've learned. And that's why when it comes to sex work, like it's one thing when people are like, you know, messaging me on Pornhub, which I fucking hate the message system there. It's just god awful the people that reach out to you. But it's like, you know, they're just like, hey, I want to get in the industry. And I've just, you know, I'm so that's such a fucking so tired of that. What can I do? How can I figure it out? And I'm just like, if you want me to be a consultant for you, it's five hundred dollars and I'll tell you everything yeah. you need to know. But if you are like a person an adult who's like, I want to be in the sex industry. Do you have any advice? You know, it's just different. It's different when it comes from like a random dude who you can tell is more just a fan of porn or when it comes from like a, you know, I mean, usually mostly like a girl and she's like, I want to do this. Like, or I started doing this, but I'm having these issues. I'm happy to like share that information, but there's a line. (laughs) You have to draw that line too, because man, you will get asked every other day by some dude. How can I join the porn industry? Right. And just like, you can't. That's what I tell them. You can't. <laughs> we need to create some guru cards. And you know what? There needs yeah. to be some sort of platform. But the problem is, as far as financial incentive to create this platform, it's always hard to monetize a resource platform. And I know this yeah. because like years ago, me and my like significant other went into the space of trying to create like a resource platform for atheism when like atheism was like the thing that was like still emerging and still kind of cool. Shut up. I'm that much. Of a um, so we tried like, uh, you know, pulling in like, Hey, here's all the different like thought leaders and conferences and some resources to help get you started. Mm-hmm. If you know, you're still trying to figure out, you know, the space and where you fit in, you know, here's ways you could get active, things like that. So yeah. It's a great idea, don't get me wrong, but the reason it hasn't really been done properly, in my opinion, is it's so hard to monetize because people want this information for free. And I don't blame them for wanting that information for free, but at the end of the day, the people who are creating this type of content are investing hours and oh, time, yeah. time and resource and exactly yeah so unless you are backed as a nonprofit, it's going to be exceptionally hard to develop well and the other problem with it is because like i've looked into this a lot and i have like my own thoughts on like what's gone on through trying to like have different mentorship programs and resource guides like in porn and first of all at this point like it's i almost don't think it's worth it anymore because the vast majority of people that are naked on the internet are no longer on traditional porn sets Totally. So writing a guide of like, this is how to get into porn in Chatsworth, California is way less valuable than it was even four years ago when I got into the industry. Totally. So yep. like at this point, it doesn't even make sense. I had always said what I thought it needed to be because like I'm friends with a lot of people from APAC. I really believed in a lot of what they're doing. But I think the only way to make that effective would have had it to be run through the agencies because the agencies sign these brand new girls. 
And one thing I yeah. always really liked about my agency, ACMLA, which I'm no longer rep by as of this week, but wonderful experience. Just going to say it again. If you are looking for representation in the adult industry, I can't recommend them enough. They're wonderful people. And it did sound like that, like you had a lot of nice things to say about them. And that was really surprising to me just in general. They very much approach it as a partnership. Like it's not you work for me. It's not I work for you. It's we work together. Yeah. How is my career going to be? And they, you know, they've been in it for a long time. I just, I absolutely adore every single one of them there. They were great. I wouldn't be in the position I am today without them. But I always thought that it had to come through like a coalition of all of the the main like five agencies that signed most of the new girls needed to come together as like a pact and work together and be like, okay, when we sign a new girl, we're going to give her here's this packet of information that you need to know. Here's the yes. link. Sign on. And you need to watch these five to 10 videos that are yes. five minutes a piece, right? Kate, and like watch this. Yes. This is how to pack a shoot bag. This is where to get this shit. Because like, even up until like, I noticed during the change of my career, like it was so fucking hard to find matching bra and panty sets when I first started in porn. Oh my God, seriously. So hard. I would spend hours trying to find something that was like different or new and they didn't have them at Target. They didn't have Victoria's Secret, didn't sell garter Wait, belts back then. this is a problem? Yes. It was a huge matching problem. Matching bra and panty sets is a problem. It is so hard to find. It's gotten a lot easier because of Amazon now. But when, even mm -hmm. when I started, the options on Amazon were so much more limited a couple of years ago. And so, but it would be like, how this is where you get shoes. This is what you have to bring set. Like nothing can have logos on it. Yes. Cut the tags out of your clothes. This is what should be in your like shoot bag of like touch up makeup, tea tree oil, orgasm, like all that shit. When I started my first time ever, so it was like 2003 and I went to AIM for the first time, which was adult industry medical. That was, that was the testing facility prior to the porn WikiLeaks thing that happened in like 2010 or whatever. Wait, what's a porn WikiLeaks thing in 2010? You'll explain that <laughs> after. Cause I don't know. Okay. I will. But so this old ass AIM and I went there to get tested for the first time ever in the adult industry. And they gave me what amounted to like a little packet like that, which was a VHS tape. Cause I, we used to have these things called VCRs and you'd put a VHS tape in and it was Nina Hartley and Sharon Mitchell. Of course and, it was. And they did, a, <laughs> of course. And they were just sitting there and they're like, okay, so you're new to the adult industry. Well, here are some things. And like, I remember one point Nina Hartley is showing you how to put a condom on a banana with her mouth. Like, I mean, this is just classic shit, you know? It was more geared toward like the sexual health aspect um, mm -hmm. of being in the industry. But at that time too, like, didn't know about boric acid. Yeah. Like you were saying, um, with just sort of the more practical stuff. Like I remember the first time I went to like a really mainstream kind of porn set, I just showed up with a casual outfit and then they're like, okay, we're doing pretty girls. Do you have, you know, your, your pretty girls like lingerie? And I was like, what the fuck is a pretty girl? How to pose for pretty girls. That's another <laughs> one. I didn't know what a pretty girl was until I talked to Ella for the first time and she had to explain yeah. to me. It's like, oh yeah, you know, all those beautiful poses that girls do. That's a pretty girl. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea. But it's literally like a run through of poses. It's boom, boom, boom. 
And I could literally make you a five minute video explaining like, this is how you do the look behind where you arch your back. This is how you do the doggy one. You pop this arm down. You want to pull right. this one behind to hide that roll. At your yes. <laughs> like, Put your chin down. The photographer doesn't want pictures of the inside of your nose, like all this kind of stuff. But I didn't even have like, I didn't bring a pair of, of heels and lingerie to do pretty girls. I had to borrow them from another girl because that was so like knowing that 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 stuff would have been expected of me beforehand, because I also never had an agent, which I am very grateful for at this, you know, stage in my career. But like, and I don't think you should have to have one either. And you don't yeah. have to have one to be successful. I mean, I think it's great for people, you know, who've had good experiences. And I know that does happen. But yeah. also, there's a lot of pitfalls with that, too, because there are tons of agents who do not have your best interests in, at heart, you know. Mm -hmm. So just to be able to like know what's expected of you if you are going to be working on mainstream porn sets. But even mm -hmm. in that sense too, like if you are doing content trade, let's just say you're joining in the more recent era and you are trying to do content trades with other people, you should still know some of these things. You should still know like the right kind of hygiene, you know, what's expected of you just uh, mm -hmm. from a fellow performer that you're coming yeah. together to make content with. And also how to communicate on a set. Like, that's such a big thing that I'm yes. a huge proponent of because through my entire career, I never, ever felt like I was coerced into doing anything because anytime I would be on a set where they would want me to do something I wasn't comfortable with, and I've seen this happen over and over again, and I... I don't think anyone should be put in that situation, first of all. But Same. it is the adult industry. You're going to be put into dicey situations once in a while. It comes with the territory. It's unfortunate. But also, that's just Hollywood. Like, that's just entertainment yes. in general. It's going to happen. Entertainment. So, like, yes. when you're on there, what, I, what would happen to me? Like, I would see girls be in that same situation, and they would get really emotional and really upset and basically throw a fit and be like, fuck you, and storm off. Which, okay, and I'm not, like, policing anyone's reaction, but when I would do it, because I had already been an adult and I'd had jobs where people would ask me to do stuff I wasn't comfortable with, whether that was, like, doing accounting work that I wasn't being paid for or <laughs> getting a cream pie when I didn't want one, I already knew how to do it. So I'd just be like, hey, you know what? I'm not really cool with this, but what if we compromise and do this instead? I think this would be really hot. And it's like yeah. you're offering a compromise and you're going to get what you want, but it's dealing with people. And it's that people yeah. hold your boundaries in a nice way, in a polite way, in a professional way. Because, like, then and I never had a situation where, because it was a lot of times I'd be on sets and be like, I'm not going to do this. I will Absolutely. do this instead. And I never had a company that wouldn't book me again. I never had a director say anything bad about me. Even directors I didn't like and go back to my agent afterwards and be like, I don't want to work for that guy again. Totally. That guy never had a bad thing to say about me because I would wrap up the scene and be like, and do it the way I wanted to. And you really can. I never, ever got flack for that my entire career. I would say that too. It's also being able to communicate that, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. What if we did X instead? Yeah. It's baby being able to offer a solution, which is really what they want. Yeah. yeah. They just want something hot. They just want to get the scene shot and go home. And especially that, like, when you offer something else, they're just like, well, what's going to look hotter is the thing that you're into more. Yeah, bingo. If, you're, if they're forcing, you know, if they're, like, making mm -hmm. you fit in this box of something that you don't really like, that's not going to come across as, as hot as if it's something that, yeah. that you do like. And so I will say that, too, like, in all, in all my years of doing in this industry is, like, I also never felt like I was put in a position to be like, oh, I did this thing and now I'm traumatized because I wish I hadn't mm -hmm. done it. I was kind of in the beginning stages of sort of like the porns version of Me Too. I was a little bit like, I don't understand why this is an issue. Like if, 
you're in a situation in this professional capacity and you don't like what's going on, why can't you just say, I'm not doing this or I don't like this or stop? But that was that's from me and the type of person that I am and the type of person that I've always been. I've always like come across that way. I've always like held myself in this certain way to where it's Uh, like, you know that you're not going to get away with this type of shit with me. But then when this was all going on, I was so I was saying that. And then I had to actually be reminded like that I have this privilege, Mm -hmm. not not just Mm -hmm. in the sense of like my sort of personality of my whole life, that that's just the kind of person I am which some people are not like that, but also that like I have built this name for myself to where if a director like gave me shit about something like that, like I would be able to hold them accountable and make them look Mm -hmm. really bad due to like my status in the industry. And I had to recognize that like girls just coming in and trying to build something like they do feel that pressure. They do Mm -hmm. feel like they have to do it just to be able to maintain a career or start their career or continue getting work or whatever you know it's kind of like just on both sides like we shouldn't as an industry be trying to push people to do stuff they don't want to do but on the other side too you should also be empowered and emboldened and you know you should feel that you are able to state your boundaries and your limits and not have fear of losing out on anything else and i think that that's changing a lot too now because the content because only fans can walk off the set and be like i still have income i'm mostly doing this for promo and so that's how it is for me now too like with my rates you know i just feel like as long as i've been in this industry all my years of experience everything i'm doing now i'm finally at a point where i can just be like listen if you want me in your movie you're going to pay me this much because I'm not driving, like now I live in Vegas and I'm not going to drive out to LA, you know, which is like almost five hours each way. And I got to f- have a place to stay and blah, de blah for like, mm-hmm. you know, less than a certain amount because it's just not worth it to me. And I can always use that extra advertising, but the advertising is for my content <laughs> so exactly. that you can see like, yep, I'm still here. I'm still making stuff. And now you can come join my OnlyFans because you saw me in this you know, video by so-and-so, this company that you yeah. already know who they are. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like there's more empowerment, like, overall uh, for performers. Yeah. So I, I hope that's changing. It is a job. It's a business. You're a professional. And you're going to get in what you put out of it. Like, even if you are a oh, brand yeah. new girl on a set your first couple of times and you hold your boundary, as long as you do it professionally and kindly— no yes. one's going to have shit to say about you. You can be exactly. like firm and you can also show be up kind. on time. And, like, yep. Show up on time. Be communicative. Like work with them. You absolutely have a right to be there. You have a right to yeah. say what you want, what you do. You can always like, I mean, that was the other thing. I would always call my agent if I wasn't uncomfortable. I check in and be like, hey, this was going on. You know, like if I felt like I couldn't handle it myself, which was very rarely that I did because I also had to like acknowledge that privilege of I'm just someone that will tell you. And I right. and I come from like a BDSM background where that was just par for the course of like, oh, yes, I have yes. a checklist of like, oh, we're going to fuck. Okay. I like this, this, this. Don't move my hip this way because it's injured. Like, and, and do, do this. this and this, if, this. You, if you're going too hard, I'm going to slap you three times hard on the thigh. Like, yeah. so be aware for that. Like, I already had that like checklist in my head that I would just share with everyone I worked with. But it's also understandable that 
some people don't have that coming in and have these poor experiences, which I mean, we've all done shitty jobs or jobs where it's like, oh, I thought I was doing the right thing. And you're putting your trust into the person on set that they're going to guide you the right way. So Mm -hmm. there is some responsibility on a director to be able to communicate and say, hey, are you comfortable doing X, Y, and Z? Definitely. But it's also on the performer to be able to say, yes, I am, or no, I'm not this time around. Yes. So everybody has to bear exactly that can change every day exactly and I will say too another issue another issue I have with agents sorry but um, please (laughs) in general is that because I've worked for a lot of uh, companies too that you know do stuff that's not just like so so I was working for a friend for a while and he was booking um, girls through agents to come and shoot for his site now his site wasn't just like a boy girl sex scene like you come up you do some pretty girls and then you get fucked by a dude and you go home like his shit was long, complicated, and it was always um, like super heroin, uh, mind control, um, like hypno. is very story based. So, yeah, yeah. So there's acting involved. There's like a lot of acting involved, and then the the sex is like it has to be in these positions. You know, it's not just like those sort of free form, have fun sex scenes. It's like we're making a very specific fetish based, yeah. almost cinematic movie scene, and girls would show up. And he would say, like, okay, so did your agent tell you what we're doing today? And she's like, well, just boy, girl, right? And it's just like he had sent this long ass email to the agent saying she needs to be aware that we're going to do this, this and this. She's going to have to act. We're going to do this, you know, and they would just be like, here's your job. Here's the address. Go. And so, you know, and I I was just like, what is the point of these people? Which literally that's like the number one thing of their job. You're paying them for it. I will say my agent, again, I'm just going to hype ADMLA. They would, instead of like uh, just copying the address, they would just forward you the entire email from the director, the producer. They would get everything. If I had any questions, I would shoot them back right away. Be like, hey, I'm not sure on this. Confirm, please. Within 20 yep. minutes, it would be back and I would have everything. And like we had conversations. I was like, I want to know everything. Because I also came into yeah. being a performer from working on the back end. And I worked on a hardcore BDSM porn site for like a year as a PA and a marketing manager and helping do everything on set. So I knew what we would. And we actually, that's why I ended up with ATMLA is because we would only, after a while, we would only book their girls because they were the only agency that we could consistently say, we know they're going to give them the full call sheet. We know they're going to know what they're here for. Because we paid, I mean, it was not boy girl sex and we paid almost double boy girl sex rates for these scenes because they were hardcore BDSM. They got marked. They had to know. Like, we couldn't even book through Spiegler because Spiegler would be like, you can't mark my girls. And we're like, okay, that's fine. We're we're cool with that. But we ended up only booking... Mark, mark them. mark them up. Like, like bruises, what does that mean? Oh, okay, got it. Like, you're getting whipped yeah, yeah. and spanked and hit because it's hardcore BDSM, right? So, like, yeah. a lot of okay. times, you know, you mark the girls and... Then you get a call from the age, from Spiegler on Monday. What the and he's fuck? mad Why at this you. this girl come back here with it? Yeah. Kate, are you allowed to say what company that was? Oh, yeah. I worked for Insects uh, up in oh, Portland, okay. Oregon. They did yeah. Sexually Broken, Hard Tide, Infernal Restraints. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was really fun. I learned a lot working there. It was a great job. I had a, a great time doing it. I shot my first scenes for them. It was always really fun. But it is. It's hardcore BDSM. It's not for everybody. Yeah. And we no. would... And, and uh, the thing <laughs> I really... One thing I really liked about working there, too, is, like, there was a couple of times where we would get a girl on there who was like, yeah, I definitely can do this, all this stuff. And, like, you would just get the vibe 
And we'd be like, she's not going to be able to do this. This isn't going to work. Like, she'd start, like, if she started, like, having a ton of complaints as soon as we got in the first position. And, like, but what I really respected about them and liked is that we would pay the girl a kill fee. If we got her up there and she couldn't do it, we would still pay her, like, $800. So she didn't leave with them. Yeah. That's Even if we couldn't use the scene at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really respected them for that. Yeah. That's nice because a lot of places Mm -hmm. won't do that. Oh, totally. No yeah, way. and I mean, it's it was a rare occurrence that we couldn't, like, work something out with the girls to make it work. But when it did happen, they always did right by them, and I really respected that. Yeah, that's an amazing thing. So going back uh, three seconds, because I know that you said that you were booking girls. I want to hear a horror story. Oh, boy. What's, like, the worst, <laughs> some of the worst situations you've had? I mean, mine was that one where, and it wasn't even that I was booking it. It was for that, it, which just stands out as like the worst scene that I've ever had to do. <laughs> and I talked about it in a couple podcasts that the girl that I was talking about like found out it was me and a bunch of her fans like messaged me and they're like, hey, so-and-so doesn't have a smelly pussy. And I was like, beg to differ. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I talked about Damn, your smelly pussy girl. on a top 20 podcast, but like Ryan Sickler thought that was very funny. Um, uh <laughs> But uh, Everyone's no, I didn't. got a smelly pussy at one point or another. At one point or another. And it was the, the problem was that her attitude stunk worse. I wasn't even, I, the whole time, I was like, look, I'm not being mean about anybody having BV. Like, it's happened to me too. No shame in the game. Yeah. It's cool. But if your attitude smells worse than your fucking cunt, we're going to have a problem. Yes. Like, <laughs> and she just, like, it was new room massage, which is already gross. Like, I had already done it before, and it was a threesome, and the, the male performer was a good friend of mine, and the director's a good friend of mine. So we're all just there, like, all right, this is going to be fucking gross. Whatever. Let's get, do it to yeah. it. We're all going to go out for drinks afterwards. Like, fun time. And, like, her agent didn't explain what new room was before she got there. So then the director What is put, new room? I don't know. It's, it's just like a gel, gel substance with that you massage you like, with and you can slip okay. and slide against each other's bodies is kind of the idea. It's a okay. thing. You can do them at like the bunny ranch. They offer this as like a legit service. You basically cover each other in this goo and then like rub your bodies against each other. But when you do it at like the bunny ranch <laughs> or some shit, they heat the gel up so that it's, you know, warm. But when you heat it up, it turns white. So in porn, it has to be clear because no one wants to be covered in white goo. That's the end of the porno. So like (laughs) it's cold. It's cold and it dries to the consistency of like post-it note glue. It's disgusting. Mm. It's really gross. And you do it on like a pool floaty in like a bathroom. At first it's slick and then it's sticky. It's disgusting. But it's funny Mm. and you're getting paid, whatever. And so we're all there and like the director's trying to explain to this girl what this is. She's like, eh. This is so gross. Like, I don't even know if I can do this. And the director just looks at her and goes, okay, well, if you can't, let me know now so I can get someone else here. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, your agent should have explained. And it was just her agent hadn't told her anything about it. Her agent had yep. double booked girls. He actually sent two when they only need one. And oh the other girl God. had to leave. And now I wish the other girl had stayed because she seemed nicer. And like, <laughs> it was just the whole time, like the entire day. And then she just had this awful attitude about it. And... Like, literally every time, and the director is known as one of the absolute best, nicest directors in porno. Nobody has a problem with this dude. And, like, every single time she would, like, walk out of frame or, like, go out of room, he would just look at us and go, Pow! all day oh, I feel like I feel like I know who it is. <laughs> After the show, you're telling me. Who I'll it. just tell you. It's Billy Visual. He was a lovely person to work for and was incredibly professional with her all day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There was no choking in this scene, but I kind of wanted to strangle her. Yeah, she's like, the one who was 
not being like, cool. This isn't her. I, yeah. uh, I look forward to you texting me who this uh, female performer was. Same. I mean, she was trying to be a rapper for a while afterwards, which was so funny. And oh, then, my like, God. Dude, and then she got pregnant, which was also like, because here's the thing. If you're a girl who's like, fuck the girl and she gets pregnant, it's just funny. Like, it's not at all. You have none of that. Like, oh, my God, is it mine? You're just like, <laughs> that sucks. Harm <laughs> is so real. I mean, like all the best to her. But yeah, Jesus Christ, I really hope I never run into her again. I'm being such a dick right now. No, you're you're, you're being well relatable to me, anyways. I Thank you. Yeah, it is relatable because because at the end of the day, they like, they are. I mean, you know, they're people you have sex with, but a lot of times they're just your shitty coworker. And like most people don't like their coworkers that much. And I liked a lot of my coworkers, the vast majority. Yes. But everyone had everyone has a Dwight in the office, and most Dwight's totally. are not as lovable. Yep. And then the difference is that, like, if you're just working in the office, you don't have to have sex with Dwight, you know, like, but Although I would have sex with Dwight. I would have sex with Dwight. I would not have sex with Angela. Fuck that. I Pat. mean, I'd have sex with her. Who cares? I don't have to talk to her. Like, okay. <laughs> but I mean, I'd have sex with like most women. So I can't tell you who or how I know this, but there are multiple office alumni that are also swingers. Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm not going to tell you. I did not want it. to know I that. I can't. I'm sworn to secrecy. There's so many like celebrities, you know, celebrities watch porn. They have favorite porn stars, you know. And so like sometimes they'll find ways of getting in touch with us. And, you know, it's kind of cool. <laughs> Everyone in Hollywood is into weird shit. I literally need to talk about this with more people. I can't name names, but like I just have to tell you, like every time there's a sex scandal in Hollywood, I'm like, it's a like whatever you're reporting in like the Hollywood Reporter thousand percent not as dirty as it actually was totally like literally everyone in hollywood is into like weird kinky group sex there's no For one sure. who's married in hollywood that doesn't also fuck girls with their wife on the side all absolutely of them. and the thing too like when the charlie sheen thing came out with all his like porn angels and whatever the fuck i was just like finally like at least it's out in the open now right. you know what i mean like duh i also really like brie olsen she's a sweetheart how about the army hammer stuff recently oh the army hammer thing yeah what do you guys think about that it just keeps getting better it does keep getting better it's like hey he's into some like cannibalism fetish stuff and now it's like getting dark but yeah. i mean uh, let's be honest when the cannibalism stuff was coming out it's like all right so to and? me the the cannibalism fetish thing is just like oh nice to know he's got this interesting kink because yeah this, like cannibalism fetish is like not even that weird at all like passe i know people fuck. yeah totally passe like people were just like oh this is shocking oh my god he wants to eat girls it's just like okay no Finally. that's not what it is a lot of dudes want to eat girls like yeah. a lot of them a lot of people want to eat yeah people like but you know that's the listen fantasy is fantasy you know what I mean like I can yeah. talk about certain fantasies that I have that like do I want this to happen in real life of fucking course not you know like one of my little fetish things I kind of have like a little bit of a death fetish do I want to actually be murdered by someone do I want to actually have like a sexy man just pin me against the wall and penetrate me with a knife over and over again in a very passionate way no but I would love to like pretend with like a fake knife you know what I mean so it's like to me the fact of any any sort of fantasy involving adults like is not yeah. that big of a deal whether it's like eating a person or whatever yeah. it might be 
But then when it's like there's other things, it sounds like I, you know, I try to not pay too much attention to news, but it goes back to the way he went about it. That's so problematic. Like the fetishes themselves, like everyone has weird fetishes. It's totally fine. But like if you go about pursuing them in a way that is manipulative, that is not like especially with celebrities, you have to be aware that there is a power dynamic there. Like you're this famous, wealthy person. Who, like, if you're fucking, especially because they fuck all the pretty hot girls that are really young in L.A. Who happen to be their co-stars or stand-ins. When Leonardo DiCaprio goes to the club, they pack the entire club with girls under 25. Like, every single party promoter in L.A. finds out Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be at One Oak tonight. And they pack these vans full of hot, aspiring models. And the entire club is full. They give you bottle service so that Leonardo DiCaprio can pick one girl to go home with. Oh, shit. You have to be under 25? Damn it. I ran into the basement at One Oak one time, and I was, like, almost 25. I literally ran into him, and he just looked at me and was like, no. And I was like, nope. And I was like, cool. See you around. Peace. He literally said the word no? I mean, we just both kind of were like, uh-uh. And I was like, I'm going to go home now. I was like, this, I don't like it here. It's the only time I ever went to One Oak. Oh, my God, Kate. Wow. Ran into Kate's a bunch of, like, story. Polish supermodels in the line outside. I was like, I really don't need to be here. This is not my scene. I'm not this girl. I didn't realize there was a One Oak in LA. I knew there was one in New York. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, it's a club. It's one of those terrible clubs where everyone's beautiful and the music's too loud. Everything's super expensive. But where is it in Hollywood? Well, there's also Mm. one in New York City. And I only know about the one in New York City because I went when like Mickey Rourke was there. And I'm going back like a decade when like the wrestler was a thing. So So he was already gross. It wasn't like the early 90s when he was like very, very attractive. Definitely (laughs) not. Uh, And I do remember kind of getting into a fight with a supermodel. This was also Revenant era, Leo, by the way. Just to be clear, he still had the beard, so kind of gross. I don't know. His talent makes him very attractive to me no matter what. Can anyone name (laughs) one girlfriend Leo's had that's been over 25? You can't. He's never had one. I've seen the chart. There's a chart. (gasps) There is a chart. (laughs) Yeah, there's a chart that ranks every girlfriend he's had by how old they are. They're never over 25. Which, I mean, dude, do what you want to do. That's fine. Like, it's cool. I got to go to One Oak and have bottle service. I didn't pay for shit that night. It was fine. My shoes were kind of uncomfortable, but hey, I will wear uncomfortable shoes for free drinks. (laughs) Although I don't do that anymore because I have a huge fear and this is a very real thing. I have an enormous fear that one day I'm going to go out in Hollywood and like I'll be out at night, right? And the big one will hit, like the big earthquake. And then I won't be able to run for my life because I'm wearing the wrong shoes. And then I'm going to get crushed under a building. I'm going to be dying and just be like, I wore the wrong shoes to this. So now every time I go out, I wear flats. I just don't want to die that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of all the ways you could die. I already I already picked it. I want to be strangled because I feel like my life would make an incredible Dateline episode. And yeah. so if I have to die, I want to be strangled because I want to come one last time before I die. I mean, if it happens Action. while you still look this young, I mean, Chris Hansen could even host that episode. Wouldn't you watch that episode? I would watch the shit out of that episode, right? Former porn star turned comedian found strangled in the Hollywood Hills. Oh my God. I would watch the shit out of that episode. So I have to be careful not to die because like I just also I'm worried that they're not going to pick a hot enough girl to play me in the reenactment. 
Uh, they never oh, do. man. Worry about that. That's <laughs> always the most disappointing part where it's like it's someone super attractive and they get someone as equally attractive. But then you have someone who's not as attractive but still kind of attractive. And you know they're definitely not going to pick like the more attractive actor. They're going to be like, nah, let's accentuate the worst possible features this person had. Exactly. I don't want to know what central casting thinks I look like. Like, I know I have a really specific nose. I don't Do want to know you? what the rest of the... I think so. I like your I'm, nose. Turn to the profile. Let me see. Oh, yeah. You have a very yeah. cute nose. I don't mm-hmm. understand your oh, issue with it. this. Like, yours, it's cuter than no, mine. No. Well, no, I don't have an issue with my nose. I mean, I definitely had an ex-boyfriend who wanted to pay. And I told you this, Kate, before. But, like, I had an ex-boyfriend who was like, hey, you know, you should definitely get your nose done. And then, like, tried introducing me to a plastic surgeon and was very serious about it. How long did you date this person for? Way too long. Apparently. That sounds horrible. Fuck I mean, I said shit. that to my little sister one time, and she still talks to me. But yeah, but you're not dating your little sister. If you are, no. and also anyone I had in a the point. world who is dating someone who tells them to get plastic surgery, it's like drop that motherfucker immediately. That wasn't Fuck even that the shit. worst part. That was like on like oh a day God. where like I looked a little fat. Like if I looked a little bit overweight in a day, and I like would walk past him, he would say moo. <laughs> oh. Disgusting. And you let him I put hate his this dick person. in you? Fuck that. I hate this person. I had too. a lot of issues when I was younger. I look, I never said he was a good person ever. Totally. He was totally. an attractive person. He was not a good person. <laughs> right. Jordan, fuck you. Yeah. Everyone's got a an ex from their 20s that was a horrible person. And exactly. That said, I did develop a great eating disorder where I did lose weight. So uh, that's good. don't do it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have any exes from my 20s that are like terrible people. That's really awesome. Good for you. Here's a question, ladies. So we've all gone through dates ghosting. Have you ever had like a boyfriend just completely ghosts to the point like they move states. I am not. Or is that just me? The best to ask about this kind of stuff. I did that. <laughs> I've done that. Oh, you have. I just like moved to Oregon was like, I think we're broken up now. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. I was like, can I have the dog? And he was like, yep. So then I got the dog back. <laughs> and I like actually apologized to him for that later. <laughs> Where I was like, hey, like that was like, I didn't handle that super well. And I'm sorry. Like that was kind of a dick move on my part. But I, to be fair, I introduced him to his new fiance before I left. So good on me. They're a great couple. Very happy for them. Way better match than he and I were. I remember there was a guy I was dating. I was like, oh, yeah, he was doing well at work. He was about to get a promotion. We were looking for an apartment for him. I was definitely not moving in, but the realtor was exceptionally pushy, kept insisting on it. And for some reason, like, some level of commitment scared him. And then next thing I know, like, two days later, I'm getting a call from our mutual, like, best friend at the time who was saying, like, yeah, he left New Jersey, he quit. He's moved. He's gone. Um, changed his number. Changed everything. Like yeah. rather than confront you and say he didn't want to be together anymore. Uh, rather than confront me. Rather than uh get a promotion. Rather than you know move into like the apartment that would have been way more convenient for him. Yeah. So totally normal. So if you ever think you have fear of commitment issues, just compare yourself to that person. That's, yeah. Jesus Christ. That's insane. <laughs> That's a huge life change to make for just like, I fear confrontation too. 
but I'm also lazy. Yeah, but that much. If it's between confrontation yeah, exactly. and moving, I'll confront them. <laughs> I don't want to pack shit. Laziness will always win out. <laughs> yeah. I was a good motivator. Apparently, I am that level of crazy where it's like, hey, moving out or uh, spending more time with Alice. <laughs> wow. You do often Packing. motivate me to do Great. things, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for me, like, uh, I feel very blessed that, like, I never really did a dating life thing. My ex, I started dating when I was 18 and we were together for nine years. And then I was single for about four months before I met the person who is now my husband. So like I had a few experiences, um, you know, in between. And I I will say like I did one or two sort of like, uh, okay, Cupid things, you know, between those two relationships. But like I never really had to deal with like the game playing and all that shit because which is just really good because I I won't play games yeah. like I <laughs> so you know anyone who's like doing this like wait to call or you know pretending to sort of like be a certain way I would have just been like oh well this isn't gonna work <laughs> like right off the bat <laughs> so that, that's always my thing anyway is like if you are dating and are kind of like pretending to be a certain way because you think that's what the other person would want then like nothing you get into is going to last very long because eventually like you're going to have to start living like who you are. And then the person will be like, Oh, so that other thing you were showing me, that was just like a lie this whole time or whatever. Like, I don't know. I I want people to like me for who I am. And if you don't, then you can go away. (laughs) You know, especially when you have this very like cultivated, like brand persona online and you are a public figure. Where it's mm-hmm. like you really have to like, and I communicate that with people all the time because people are like, oh, I just feel like I know you and you're so cool and I like want to do you blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you don't know me. Like, you know what I post on Twitter and you know what I post on Instagram. Like, you know my comedy, like, you know my porn. You don't know who I actually am and what I'm actually like. And like, I'm not a great girlfriend. Like, I totally will fucking own that. Like, I'm not a great person to date. I'm kind of selfish, especially right now. Like, I have a career that's like my number one yes. priority. It's not going to change. I'm not going to like, like, I will throw you under the fucking bus in a second. If it's like a shot at a Netflix show, goodbye. Totally. If you can be a bit in a Netflix show, goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Like, if if I have like, like, I will leave you at home alone for a date to go like do a spot at the improv. Like, I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) this is important. I literally did. My ex came to visit me a couple weeks ago. And uh, he was like, oh, like he like flew in on Friday. I was like, hey, like I have to drop you off my apartment because I have a spot tonight. I'll be back in like an hour. In like an hour, I'll be right back. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, no, like it's work. I got to go. Like I don't work normal hours. I don't have a normal life. Like this is what it looks like. And like I am dating someone right now and it's great because it's, we're not monogamous. She's also like a former sex worker who like works in the entertainment industry now. And it's great because like she totally gets where I'm at. She gets you. She gets it and is never like, oh, you like, oh, you're doing, you're at open mic instead of hanging out with me. She's like, of course you're at open mic, like go. And so like you really, I need that. Like that's the kind of relationship that's going to work in my life right now. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, oh, I can have this super cutesy farmer's market Sunday morning boyfriend dealio (laughs) because that's not what's going to work for me right now. So, like, I think so much of it, too, is, like, I I think being a sex worker, especially, like, you really, 
are able to like divorce that, like the sexual, like romantic, passionate aspect of a relationship versus like what is actually going to work in my life yeah, and who's absolutely. actually going to be there for me and love me and care about me for who I am and for what my life is like. Yeah. And that's the thing you were saying before too about people thinking that like they know you or whatever. I mean, that's parasocial relationships. And it's a really interesting thing because like I can see when people are, you know, getting into a very deep parasocial relationship with me. Mm -hmm. And it's just funny because like I can see when I am doing that to other people because I'm like right in this middle space where I've got a bunch of people who do that to me. But then I've got all these like YouTubers that I'm like, God, why don't, why won't they talk to me? Like we're friends. (laughs) Just like, no, you're not. (laughs) You watch their videos. Like you feel like you know them, but you fucking don't, you know? And, um, just like making those boundaries, even for myself, like if I'm going to ask, you know, other people to make those boundaries and to understand that we don't have a relationship that is a parasocial relationship, which is totally fine. But um, then, you know, I've got to understand that shit too. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think it's so interesting because we are really seeing for the first time ever, like as a society moving into a large number of people having to grapple with having parasocial relationships like mm-hmm. all at once, because anyone that has any level of fame whatsoever on the internet has those. Yeah. They crop up, they just happen. And to have yep. to navigate that, because on one hand, like, yes, like the people that subscribe to my OnlyFans or support me on Twitter or whatever, like come to my shows, like I care about them. I do. Like I, my of livelihood course. depends on them. But of at the same course. time, like I am a human being and I have to have my own life, my energy, my own friends, like what I'm actually like. And, and I, you know, and and feeling like that in your personal life too of like do I have to like live up to this expectation that these people have of totally. me or even for me this whole yes. last year of quitting porn and just being on my own I didn't have sex for like months and months and months last year which was so good for me and like it's really been like me redefining my own sexuality and what I want and what I like after years of it being really performative Work. Yeah. And also, like, I'll say that I think that that is something that changes, like, several times throughout your life. I feel like, you know, you'll settle on something and you'll be like, oh, this is me and this is my sexuality. And then it will be for a certain time. But then the years go by and then it changes again. And you have to be like, wait a minute. Is it different than what I thought? No, it's just like now you're in this phase of your life. And then it'll happen again. It's a journey. Yeah. It's just going to keep happening. And that's when people are so caught up on, like, well, what am I? What terms should I use? What my sexual it's just like whatever you're feeling right now that's what you are and just realize that that can change and it probably will many times and that's okay (laughs) so speaking of people who have parasocial relationships with us well hey listeners uh if you want to support the show we have a patreon (laughs) head on over to twogirlsonmike.com and hit the support button because we pay our fantastic editor to clean up the show every single week. We do give you clips. We do, I did start a Discord. I need to become way more active on it. Um, It's been something I've been super awkward lately about. I think it's really because I've gotten way into my head of like, what are the expectations that, you know, people have when they listen? And really at the end of the day, you should be like, not give a shit and just be yourself. No expectations. Yeah, especially like you want to make the thing that you make because that's why people are coming to watch the thing you make. And then if you just like cater it too much to what you think they want, then you're going to like miss the mark, I think, a little bit. Exactly. 
With all content creation. <laughs> exactly. So support us, support Sin, support Kate. Uh, so again, support the show, uh, com. Hit the support, hit the Patreon button, or just donate to our PayPal or buy us a coffee or whatever. Sin, thank you so much for coming back on. It's been too long and thank you. But where can our listeners find you? Oh my goodness. Well, so many places. So uh, you can go to Twitter. I'm at SinSage. That's S-I-N-N-S-A-G-E. And I I like to talk and say hi on Twitter and stuff like that. (laughs) Definitely join my OnlyFans, which is OnlyFans.com slash SinSage. And um, my website is sin-sage.com and I have a Clips for Sale store and a ManyVid store and I make custom videos which you can order at sin-sage.com. And so I feel like that's most of my main things, but you can always reach out and talk to me and I will talk back because I'm a pretty down-to-earth human being. As long as you treat me nicely, I will do the same. Unless you pay her (laughs) otherwise. (laughs) Kate, where can our listeners find more of you? You can find me on Twitter at the OG Kennedy, as in the original gangster Kennedy, like the dead president. You can find all of my content at theogkennedy.com. That's my OnlyFans. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the PG Kennedy, as in parental guidance Kennedy, because it's uh, safe for work. And uh, you can listen to my podcast, Cam Girl Chronicles, presented by I'm Live. Please go listen. Uh, you can find it at camgirlpod.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Fantastic. And of course, you guys can find the show at all places at TGM Podcast and myself at Rational Blonde, uh, especially on Twitter nowadays. But of course, catch us again next week. Make sure to subscribe to the show, leave a, a review, and catch us again then. Bye bye.